The views and opinions expressed by any hosts or guests of WJMS Radio do not reflect the beliefs of its owners or associates. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to WJMS Radio or the show hosts whose words, advice, and or opinions appear from or on our website or on air. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Are we on the air? You're listening to WJMSRadio.com. Jam. This chick is a sick individual. You're tuned in to Sound Off with your girl Jams right here on WJMSRadio.com. There is no competition. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to Sound Off right here on WJMS Radio. This is your girl, Jams. So excited to be with you guys today. I have a wonderful show for you guys. Before we get into it, I want to thank the folks behind the scenes that help make WJMS Radio and Sound Off possible. Thank you guys for all your hard work and your support. Shout out to our sponsors for the station as well. Uh, if you guys want to get in touch with us and uh, network with us, our social media is at WJMS Radio on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Uh, and I want to get into the show for this afternoon. I have special guests and fellow Bostonian slash New Englander. D. Bowden. Uh, she is just as excited as I am that the Patriots won this last Super Bowl against the Rams. I was very excited to rub that in my uh, friend Tommy's face, of course. But she is the founder of BCS Solutions. And BCS Solutions is a company that focuses on the financial disconnects in business organizations by rebuilding the entity to create long-term solutions and success. Her mission is to strengthen small to medium-sized businesses to be competitive and successful in their market. And Dee has had a love of financial solutions since she was working for a small IT firm. Um, And when she discovered how to successfully untangle and disconnect IT financial solutions, it was her opportunity to jump into the game and to create her own business. So Dee, thank you so much for being with me this afternoon. How are you doing today? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jamie. This is an amazing opportunity. First of all, thank you so much for the great introduction. Thanks, obviously, for being on the on the show. And yes, there's nothing better to me than connecting with another fellow Bostonian who's as passionate about the Patriots as I am. So I'm like, <laughs> yes, us. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh... We are a, a hated bunch in the country, but you know what? It is what Child, it is. you ain't said nothing but a word. <laughs> <laughs> and I listen, and I wear, listen, I wear my Patriots jacket proudly. Yep. Because, listen, I've been following the Patriots for a long, long, long time. So, yeah, seeing, seeing us win two weeks ago, now we have six rings. It is such <laughs> a cool thing. And as I often say, you know, Boston strong. And that was kind of how you and I got connected because I said, hey, Boston Strong. And you're like, oh my gosh, you know about this. Yes, I do. So anyway, yep. <laughs> so again, thank you so much for the opportunity. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of those who are listening around the world. Um, I am Dee Bowden, originally from Boston, Massachusetts, and also raised um, every summer from the time I was a girl, baby, until I was 18, in a little town called Mount Olive, North Carolina. If you go into the grocery stores, major ones, I think in the pickles aisle, there's a little jar that says <laughs> Mount Olive Pickles. I, I kid you not. And so my journey to um, becoming becoming the person I am started, you know, with uh, being raised in Boston, actually in Dorchester. So, and then every summer when I was a baby till I was 18, we took a 24-hour Greyhound. Now I'm old school, Greyhound bus ride. People can't even imagine. They're like, what? 24 yeah. hours? I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy. But it's true. Um, every summer when I was a baby until I was 18 years old, we took a 24-hour bus ride to a little town called Mount Olive where I had the blessing of growing up with knowing my grandparents. Um, my grandmother and grandfather were part of the five people that actually raised me. And so it was my mom, my dad, 
my grandmother, my grandfather, and my best oldest friend, all of who are deceased, but I honor oh, them sorry. today by acknowledging, you know, who they were in my life and the, the lessons they taught me of hard work and family and faith and stick to it, stick to itiveness. I guess you, I think it's called tenacity today, but same thing. <laughs> Pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I, you're obviously, you know, financial in the financial district, if you will. Um, how did you get into finance? Have you always just been kind of good with money or was it something that developed over time or how did that work for you? Well, that's a great question. So how it started was this. I actually got my start in, in, in financial management slash collections management by actually doing accounts payable. I literally was a data entry error, the data, data entry um, clerk. Mm-hmm. So I got started by having piles, piles of, of invoices to actually data enter into a, into a system every day, eight hours a day, five days a week for, for five weeks in, in an engineering consulting firm. And so when I, when I began to understand that invoicing, finance, money are all part of business, I wanted to find out, okay, so how does this work? So basically, I got started at the beginning. So in any, in any business, uh, so it kind of goes like this. So any, every business has a few things. They have four things. There's, there's somebody who does sales, somebody who does accounts payable, somebody who does accounts receivable, and somebody who does contracts. So my story starts like this. So I learned accounts payable first, which is basically the invoicing that happens. And then I discovered that every business, no matter what it is, has contracts. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to sell and sell a product or service, and then somebody has to agree to buy the product and service, and that's usually done through a form of a contract. So I began my career actually by doing accounts payable first, then I was a junior contract administrator, and then I got promoted to be a contract administrator in an engineering consulting firm. And when I got promoted, I actually was over, over the team of, of, a, of a, in a construction division, and my, my guys were actually were building a, a water filtration plant up in Hemlock, New York. And so when I got promoted to take care, take over this, there had been hundreds of thousands of dollars of invoices that had never been paid because the work had not been done correctly. There were problems with the invoices. And so I had to untangle hundreds of thousands of, of, of invoices that had to be corrected and resubmitted and repaid wow. in order for the city of, New, city of Rochester, New York to actually pay us, well, the firm I worked for, and then work to build a relationship with the chief engineer that we would not be here again. And so what I began to figure out is that there are always disconnects when it comes to money. And I, when I say money, I'm talking about basically in your business, you've got accounts payable, which is your invoices that are billed out, and then accounts receivable, which is money that's collected in. And then I, you know, affectionately, affectionately call it cash flow. Mm-hmm. And so from, from being able to untangle the hundreds of thousands of dollars with that one project, I learned, you know, a few things. I learned there were disconnects. I learned that there are things that happen from data entry errors. Um, mistakes happen on, on a regular. People don't understand that if you don't fix it right on the front end, it becomes a real, a real administrative nightmare on the back end. Yep. And because I come from an engineering space, an IT space, and a government, a government contractor space, a government space, I've learned the importance of fixing things on the front end because it's, it's really, it can be really hellacious to untangle stuff that's been jacked up for many, many years. And so after you know untangling that. I'm happy to say that, of course, the, the water filtration plant was built. Um, it still exists in Hemlock, New York now, the city of Rochester, and, and I got a, had, ended up having a great relationship. And I learned a lot about um, integrity. I learned a lot about hard work. I learned a lot about how you have to be willing to go the extra mile mm-hmm. if you expect to be successful in, in, in business and in anything. And so by me being you know, young at the time, 
uh, untangling that. And also at the time when I was doing all that, I was in grad school. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I was working on a master's degree and watching this, watching this water filtration plant get built, uh, working, you know, in the construction division. And I'm responsible for all the payments that go to all the primes and all the subs. So, yeah, I don't have that kind of energy now, but I did back then. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was a lot. It was a lot, but I'm, I'm grateful that I had that opportunity because what it taught me was that, you know, some things that are very important in, in you know, especially if you're, if you're, if you're a small business owner, um, you need to make sure that you are aware of your, your, the state of your flux. You ought to know how many contracts you have. You ought to know how many invoices you have. You ought to know how much money is being billed out, how much money is being billed in. And you also have need to build a relationship with your sales guys. The people who actually, who, who actually have the relationship in business, they're the ones that can actually help you, especially when it comes to receivables. And I'll talk some more about that in a moment. But let me pause right here. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I want to bring it back real quick for a second. Um, growing up in Dorchester, Massachusetts, shout out to you for that, because Dorchester right now is definitely no joke of a place to be in. Um, but what a, a strange and probably, you know, sort of eye-opening experience to go from urban city like Dorchester to a super, I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume because I've never been there before, a super rural city like Mount Olive, North Carolina. So what was it like sort of being a city girl, if you will, and going and staying in the country for those summer times uh, when you were with your, your grandparents? Was there a hard time adjusting or was it fun or, you know, how was all that for you? It actually was a little bit of both. So yeah, being a kid in the city, you're used to, you know, being outside, being out, being able to go outside and play, yeah. being able to, you know, do things with your friends. And so my, my grandparents were deeply religious. And so, um, and it was always, almost, almost always hot <laughs> in the South yep. during the time I went there. So my grandmother was of the belief that, um, number one, you're not outside in the middle of the heat, the middle of the day. So we were inside for a good portion of the day. We should, you know, once, once, it, you know, once around four or five o'clock, she was cool with us going outside so we could go outside and we could play. Um, another thing that was really important about spending time there was that I learned, you know, some of my history. I mean, I learned, you know, how, how hard she worked, how, how hard my, grand, my grandfather worked. I learned, um, basically, the, one, of the, one of the best things I learned from my grandmother was to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And she modeled that by every, every day, somewhere between five and six, she took 30 minutes out and went in, in her room and got quiet. And she learned, you know, she, she modeled honoring God by taking time with him every single day. And then, you know, of course, as a kid, I was like, man, she's always gone for 30 minutes. What's going on? <laughs> I didn't quite get it back then. Yeah. But I do now as an adult. But what she modeled was consistency. She also modeled family. She also modeled time around the dinner table, something that we did every night. We always had dinner. We always had grace before dinner. And then we would talk. I mean, she would, she would tell, she was hilarious. She would tell some great stories. Um, but we had, you know, we had fun. We, you know, we, you know, a lot of times we, we were inside, like I said, you know, when, until it got cooler, then we could go outside and play. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to know my, got to hang out with my cousins. You know, most of my, most of my cousins, most of us now are, oh my gosh, we all are much, much older. And um, it was funny <laughs> when my grandmother passed, um, all of us. So when she passed, there was, you know, the 20 grandkids of which I'm one. And is, yeah. you know, and then you go four generations down. And it was really cool when we all sat around and talked and, and reminisced about her and other things that we learned. It was the same theme through four generations. We all knew about number one, when it was getting ready to rain, the yep. Lord was speaking, we had to, she stopped cooking. We had to go get to somewhere and get quiet. And we all talk about how she, no matter where we were in the world, most of us still do that. At some point, if it's about to be a thunderstorm, 
inevitably, most of us go get quiet. You might not be able to, to say anything, but instinctively, you know, if it's about the thunderstorm, you got to get quiet. You got to honor God and just go chill. And it was funny, across all, all four generations, from the littlest one to the oldest one, we all had that same experience. We all had the, all had the same experience around her love for God. Yeah. And what she modeled for us was that, you know, no matter what happens to you in life, you can get back up. You can, you can fall, you can, you can mess up, but you can come back to God and you can pick right up where you left off and then you can continue to grow. And that was something that, that still is a valuable lesson for me today. Um, Cause I, I too, you know, fell off the wagon for a minute and had some craziness. I, in my twenties, I was a little bit wild and crazy, <laughs> but I remembered what she said that you can come back and that he will have, you know, arms wide open for you and he'll he'll bring you back and then uh get back on track and i'm grateful to say that that was a lesson that stuck with me it was kind of like the word says it says train up a child in the way it should go and when he or she gets older they won't depart from it well i'm grateful that that training back then was a seed in me that stayed planted and rooted especially when i was kind of off the hook for a little bit then i got back on track and you know life has been life has been really good since then it's funny. A couple of things you hit on that I want to touch on for a second. Like, I never heard about sure. the the thunder idea, and I'm thinking to myself, like, how cool it is that, like, whenever there's a thunderstorm coming, you just take time to be still. And I'm thinking to myself, like, places like Seattle, Washington, where it rains like 360 days of the year, I'm like, they must not get anything done. <laughs> I can't even imagine, like, <laughs> you know, having that kind of thought process in a, a rainy city like that. It's kind of funny, but um, I thought that that's a really cool idea. Second, I think your 20s are supposed to be a time of you wilding out a little bit like I think within reason of course I think you're supposed to to go a little crazy in the 20s because honestly that's your your best form of years you know like once you hit 30 and 40 and all that kind of stuff you you really start to slow down so 20 is like 20 is peak speed <laughs> for having wild times if you will <laughs> and then the last thing is just how critical and important I think it is uh, for what you just talked about and that's spending time with your grandparents with the elders learning their stories learning your history so many and I want to say almost you know damn near all of this this generation now they don't do that you know like they don't sit with their grandparents and listen to the stories that they have to tell and get that knowledge and and learn how the family came to where it is today and I really just think that that's something that's so sorely missed you know, not necessarily even just in the black community, but just in the world in general is just young folks taking time to listen to their elders and the stories and like passing that history from generation to generation to generation. It's it's sorely missed. So I love that, you know, that's something that you guys did as kids. And it's like it's literally has stayed with you your entire life. I'm sure there are things that, you know, you passed on to other folks in your life and to, you know, maybe children that you may have um, just from sitting with your grandparents all those summers and learning and just, just being observant of what was going on. So I think that that's really, really beautiful. Well, thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate that. And it's true. Um, when I look at, when I look at who I am today, you know, I often talk about the five people who raised me, which is my mother, my father, my grandmother, my grandfather, and my best older friend, excuse me. And those times with them, with my grandparents in particular, um, showed me, you know, hard work. You know, my dad also showed me hard work because my dad, my dad was, um, was a hard worker. My dad, my dad worked two jobs because my mother, my mother, unfortunately had sickle cell anemia. Oh, I'm sorry. And so when my mother, so when my mother got sick, she was laid up for several months at a time. And so, um, my grandmother actually used to come and take care of me for a long time. You know, I mean, the reason I know how to do laundry, I wash dishes, iron clothes, you know, all those things, those things, my grandmother taught me those because my mother was too sick during, during those formative years to be able to teach me that stuff. And so the love that you hear, you hear him talk about my grandmother is because of what she did. I mean, she traveled 
she traveled the bus, you know, up from, from North Carolina to come and take care of me. She's the one that made sure that, you know, while my mother was recuperating that I, you know, I got to school each day, I got my homework done. I learned, you know, the basics, you know, basic, you know, household, household responsibility. Every kid needs to how to, how to wash their, wash their own clothes and, and, and fold them and do your dishes and, and iron and, and, and those things. Um, those were, those were life skills that she said, you need to, you know, you need more, but you let me get mm-hmm. you, at least get you the basics so you can function. Yeah. And so to this day, I'm grateful for that. And as I've said earlier in our conversation, you know, she modeled having a relationship with God. And I didn't, again, I, like I said earlier, I didn't really appreciate it then like I do now, but I'm so glad that she was so consistent in her walk that she showed me over time that you need this. And so those are the things that are important. And so a little bit about how I, how, and all of this ties into how did I get into finance, finances, because here's the thing, whenever you're going to, so to kind of segue, whenever you are a company that, that's owed money, Mm-hmm. You gotta have a you have to have a determination to actually go get it. Because here's the thing: when people go into business, they go into business to make money. I don't know anybody that says, "Oh, I'm gonna start this business unless it's a nonprofit and not make money." My love for 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 untangling the disconnects and making sure that companies stay solvent is because I realize that number one, what it takes to create a business, you know, from from the business plan to actually getting your first, you know, doing your first presentation to doing getting your first sale. Nobody wants to feel like, oh my gosh, I did all this hard work and then I wasn't able to get my money. And so, and because of what I shared earlier, working for the engineering consulting firm and having to untangle hundreds of thousands of dollars, I learned that you have to be able to, to develop a skill of tenacity, number one. And two, you have to have a love for making sure that things are right. I'm the type of person that I like to make sure things are right. And I guess because I'm in, I'm in, in receivables management and collections management, I'm always looking at, okay, how did we get here? And there's, there's another story I want to share with the audience a little bit about. I'll tell you about like what happened and what really kind of sparked all of this. Sure. Yeah, we can, you know, let's take our first quick break of the show. Um, when we come back on the other side, I'll give you the opportunity to tell that story and then we'll dive a little deeper into BCS solutions and how it came to be that you started a whole business around helping people get their financial lives untangled. So everybody stay tuned. When we come back on the other side, we'll hit that in a little bit more. Again, if you want to touch base with us, our social media is at WJMS Radio on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. And we'll be right back. Money. Anything, 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 anything,
Sound off on WJMS Radio. This is your girl, Jams. If you're just joining us, I have special guest and fellow New Englander, D. Bowden, who's the founder of BCS Solutions. We were just talking about how great it was that the Patriots won uh, this past Super Bowl, and we're also talking about her wonderful business called BCS Solutions and some of her background and history growing up. Right before the break, she said she had a good story to tell us about some things, so I'm going to give you the opportunity now, D, to tell that story to the audience and share with us um, some of the things that helped you grow as a business person. Oh, again, thanks, Jamie, and I appreciate getting back here. So, listen, um, one of the things that happened to me as a as a as a in my field of collections, um, I worked for a small IT firm called Amherst Technologies. Um, as I as we said, we've been celebrating the fact that we're both New Englanders. So, this was a little town called Merrimack, New Hampshire, and mm-hmm. so Amherst Technology was an IT firm that sold um, IT services, uh, I think software licenses, hardware, software, et cetera, and. This is where this is really where things really began to um, formulate for me around creating BCS solutions. And so the story goes like this: They had eight million dollars worth of outstanding sales. They had sold eight million dollars worth of sales of, of of their IT services. And 
I got selected to come in and untangle that. And so I was kind of like, <laughs> what? Eight million dollars? Every time I tell the story, I have to pause because I'm still I'm still sitting here with this today going, That's a lot. Eight million dollars. Most people are shaking their head. I know exactly. Well it's true. True story. So they had eight million dollars of sales that had that had been made but had not been collected. Because here's the thing, the sale is not com- the sale is not complete until the money is actually in the bank. Yep. Let me say that again. The sale is actually not complete until the money from that sale actually hits your business's bank account. So eight million dollars. I'm like, uh, hmm, <laughs> really? Okay. So I literally, you know, as a part of my faith, I, I literally said, God, um, I don't really know how to do this, but I need some wisdom real quick. So kind of to this part about the thunderstorm, that's where the learning how to be quiet comes from. Yeah. So I got quiet, jotted down what I, what I, what I, what I understood, and then decided to just do what I do best, which is get on the phone, introduce myself, kind of like to the story I told earlier, and start figuring out what the, what the disconnect was. How is it that $8 million is sitting out here and nobody figured out that this is owed? So I went to work and basically went down every 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 account that was on the on the list and started calling, hi, I'm D with Amherst Technologies. I'm calling on behalf of a contract number, blah, 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 invoice number, blah, 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 and the amount due is such and such. Um, calling to find out what happened and why we didn't pay. Why didn't we get paid? People are like, oh, we sent you guys. You sent your company an email, and we told you. you know, we weren't paying you until you fixed this. We weren't <laughs> paying you until you fixed that, a.k.a. the disconnect. Yeah. So one part, of the, one part of the story, which is really crazy to me, and I, when I think about it, I'm like, wow. But it's true. One company said, D, we sent an email telling, telling your company we changed our billing systems. And mm-hmm. we said, when you reformat your invoices from the old billing system to the new billing system, we'll pay you. Listen to how much money was, was held up. Four million dollars. Wow. True story. Four million dollars was held up because of a disconnect between the old billing system and the new billing system. Of course, me being me, hey, can you send me an email for proof of that? Sure we can. Here's the email. This is what needs to be done. When you fix it, when you refix this this format for the invoices and resubmit it like we said yeah. in our new system, we'll pay you. I did. So I did $6 million. I recovered $6 million in 60 days. I hope somebody got like severely reprimanded and or fired for that. That's a lot of money <laughs> well, to just have floating out for some easy situation fixing. James, here's what's crazy. So even, I, even though I collected the $6 million in 60 days, what happened, unfortunately, is that Amherst Technology went out of business. If you Google them oh, right now, wow. Amherst Technologies, Merrimack, New Hampshire, they don't exist. What comes up is their logo. Now, like I said at the beginning of the story, $8 million in sales. $6 million collecting 60 days, which was phenomenal for me being part-time. Oh, there, let me stress that point. Oh, I was wow. part-time collector. I worked from 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock every day, Monday through Friday. Wow. But I had a passion for untangling disconnects, untangling how do we get here. Now, unfortunately, the company closed. And when the CEO came, came downstairs and said, listen, we want to thank you for your service. Thank you for everything you did. But, you know, collectively, we've made an executive decision we're going to close the company down. I sat there for a minute and of course just like this is two months before christmas i'm like man, oh, yeah. what yeah right i'm like hey oh wow so all of us pack up all our stuff and we leave the building and we're 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 shell-shocked because even though i was a part of a team of collectors we didn't do enough to to salvage the month salvage the company now of course there were other things that i there's some things i will never know i was i look i tell the story from the standpoint standpoint of this 
Managing your receivables is just as important as managing your sales. I contend that sales and accounts receivable kind of go together. You need to make the sale, but you need to get paid for your sale. And so I have been on on a campaign, which is why BCS Solutions was created. I've been on a campaign. Well, let me go back before that. So anyways, once the company closed down, you had to, you know, I had to go back to work. And so I went back to work and have been honing my skills in, in government receivables and, and private sector receivables and, and financial management all these years. And then, you know, about three years ago, I three years ago, I decided to create, create BCF Solutions as a, a resource for small and medium-sized companies to start this campaign. So my campaign is this. I truly believe that you need to know how secure is your cash flow because you ought to be able to focus on the business at hand and stop worrying about your receivables. But what I've also learned in, in starting this campaign is this. Most people don't want to talk about accounts receivables or collections because they would rather go get a root canal. <laughs> They'd rather scratch their, their fingernails on the chalkboard. Oh. They'd rather do anything than have to go and ask somebody for money that's owed to them. And I, I get it. And I get it. Here's why. Number one, most people have shame around having to admit that they're owed money from the business. Yeah. But that, to me, doesn't make any sense. If you've done your business correctly, meaning you've sold your product or your service correctly, and you're not in litigation, you're not in, in, a, in a lawsuit with anybody, yeah. unless there's something really, really, really outrageous, there is no, re- there's no reason for you not to get paid. Now, my, our, my, our specialty is, is we deal with accounts that are over 60, over 90, over 120 days past due. But here's the thing. Collections doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be shameful. Yeah. My personal philosophy is that it ought to be fun. And secondly, it ought to be an extension of your customer service. Because if you think about it, if you are really good at recovering your money, you're going to actually be able to stay in business. What a, what a wild concept. <laughs> actually stay in business. Keep your doors open. That's a novel idea. <laughs> <laughs> novel idea. Novel idea. Keep your doors open. How about you get to make payroll? Yeah, How right? about you make sure that your people that work with you actually can, can handle <laughs> can handle their lives, that they can take care of their families, that they can take care of their dog, their cat, their squirrel, whatever is important to them, <laughs> your business, if they work for you, you get to make sure that they get to do their life and you, get to, you as a business owner get to stay solvent and you get to plan for Q2, Q3, Q4 of 2019 and beyond. Yep. And so the love of, of collections and receivables management and financial management, financial management comes from what happened to me you know, as a part-time employee through Immersive technologies, and now it's you know creating BCS solutions as a resource for so people can can say, listen, I've got some some pass through AR from another another company or from a government agency, and I'm I'm really frustrated. I don't know what to do. Well, we can have a competition about that because I have a different philosophy versus just dialing for dollars. I mean, people need to understand that collections, like I said earlier, it's a part of customer service. But more importantly, you have to build the relationships, and you also have to show respect with to the people that that owe you the money. Yeah. And it's, you know, what's interesting about everything you just said is like, as you're talking about collections and you're talking about all the things that you, you do for companies and stuff, I'm thinking about how much of a bad taste we all as regular people, you know, day to day who have personal bills, how much of a bad taste we all have for collections. When people call from collections, as soon as we see a number that we don't recognize on our phone, oh, that's probably a bill collector. I'm not answering the phone. You know, so it's really, it's admirable what you do for businesses because it's a different, it's a different sort of situation with businesses because it's goods and services exchanged, you know, different from personal bills where it's like, you know, yeah, 
I'm behind on my cable bill. I'm behind on whatever bill. Like it's different when it's a personal bill versus when it's business to business because as business owners, on some level, you have to be able to relate to the other business owner. Like you have a business to run. I have a business to run. I can't run my business until you handle your business correctly. You know, so it's interesting how different the two worlds kind of are, but like collections just has such a bad name in everybody's, you know, in everybody's mind. It's, it's so strange, but you're right. The way you put it is, is absolutely brilliant. So I think it's amazing. <laughs> but yeah. Well, thank you for that. And, it, and, and thank you for, for acknowledging that because it's a, you know, most people ask me like, why, why would you do this? And it's all the reasons you just said. Yeah. I mean, I tell everybody that, you know, number one, number one, I don't, I don't do personal collections. So I'm, you, I'm never going to be the person that's going to call you about your credit card, your medical bill. That's not my lane. My lane <laughs> is business to business and business yeah. to government. Um, and it's because of the success I've had in, in building these relationships. And, you know, for the listening audience, I mean, I have to let people know that, listen, I build these relationships on the phone and email. Yeah. Only one time. Only one time in the years that I've been doing this have I actually met the people that I actually collected the money for, okay. which means this. I have to do this, do it, and do it very differently. I can't just call up and be down with the dollars. I actually have to build a relationship. I have to get them to actually want to actually help me. I mean, I have yeah. to get, this, get the other business owner, get the business owner or the account payable person on the phone and actually get them to take the call. And what I believe in is showing, is showing gratitude. I actually thank the person for taking my call. I actually asked them, could you do me a favor and look up contract number, blah, 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 invoice number, such and such and such, and I'm looking for this amount. And then actually when I asked them that, I actually, you know, take a moment, I actually pause and I let them do the search. And then they'll come yeah. back and tell me, hey, D, you know, we're missing, you know, a few documents or we're missing such and such and such. And I actually write down what they tell me and I actually say thanks and I send a follow up with an email. It's been that, it's been that type of, of acknowledgement of, of number one. That person is doing me a favor because guess what? I, as a business owner, I'm owed the money. I can't be rude to the person that's actually going to help me figure out where my disconnect is. Yeah. I need to actually help them to help help them help me. Yeah. So that's what I do. You know, number two, I actually recognize that their part in this business circle is just as important as mine. Because here's the thing: in business, you have four areas. You've got sales, you've got accounts payable, accounts payable, contracts. Somebody has to sell your product or service. Somebody's got a bill for your product and service. Somebody's got to collect the money for your product and service. And you've got to have a contract for your product or service. Yep. So if you don't understand and respect those four components, you're never going to be successful long-term because here's the thing. All of those components, components are, are handled by people. Now, are there challenges within all four? Absolutely. I'm not trying to paint this, this absolutely rose-colored picture with air. It's never an issue. I'd be lying. That's not mm -hmm. true. But I'm just saying that, the, let's, let's be clear. I'm not saying it's never a challenge. Of course it's challenging. It's business. It's, it's supposed to be. But you, there are strategies that you can develop that can, can make it easier. And in order for me to, to do the kind of recover the kind of money I've collected, like I said, for this IT firm, for government agencies, for other firms, mm -hmm. I've, had to figure, I've had to figure out how to do this. And so I've had to learn to be able to build a relationship on the phone. I've had to learn it really. I just had to learn to be me and be funny. Yeah. You know, I use humor a lot. <laughs> I have people cracking up. My boss, my former boss used to say, who are you talking to? I'm like, the customer. Really? Because it sounds like I'm having a, I sounds like I'm having a, a really like funny, relaxed conversation. But guess what? I'm getting business done. And when we get paid, she's like, oh, 
Well, that works. Keep yeah. doing it. Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. <laughs> so since, you know, your personality is obviously awesome, which is great. What are some of the things that you deal with most commonly at, you know, BCS Solutions? Like what are some of the most common financial issues that you find yourself untangling? And what are some of the most difficult or complicated ones that you maybe struggle to, to untangle? Okay. So things I, things I see on a regular basis. Companies don't have good records. They forget that they need to basically have a list of yep. your accounts. Yep. I'm old school. I like Excel. I believe you ought to have an Excel spreadsheet that says tab one, contract. Every contract number you have, you ought to have the contract number and the name of the vendor that you did business with. Tab number two, list of all the invoices that are owed. Tab number three, when did you bill them? Tab number four, when's the money supposed to come back? And tab number five ought to be your salesperson. People can say, why do you say that? Because those, those things help you organize how your money is going to flow because you have all these contracts and invoices and the money that's owed and, and when it's due, yeah. that helps you get organized. A lot of people, and, and that's the thing, the things I deal with, with things not being organized. I think people don't want to organize it because that means you have to literally sit still long enough to fix this. Yeah. Well, if you're going to be in business, you can't be, you can't be an ostrich. You can't have your head in the sand. You can't. You know, you can't. Yes, it's great to have the, you know, the logo, the website, all those things. But at the end of the day, you have to have a system organizing your, your contracts, your invoices, and, and your, your, uh, your sales rep. Because here's the thing. You may, ha- you may have to go back and refer to that information. And if you can't find it, that's the problem. Very true. That's the problem. And if you don't mind repeating your second question, I'll make sure I answer that one as well. Yeah, definitely. So the second question was just, you know, what are some of the most complicated things that you see coming across your table in terms of dealing with financial situations in business? Oh, well, there's, there's several of them are one. Number one, people don't understand systems. I'll give you an example. So I have, I have done, I've done some, some recovery money on behalf of the federal government. And um, as a part of that, people don't, you know, one of the challenges is that understanding the government has, a whole, a whole financial system that's very different than any other place in the world. It's like, oh, my gosh. But understanding the acronyms, understanding the way the money flows, understanding the, the contract itself, understanding who do you go to to untangle those things, that, that's, a, that's a whole entity in, in and of itself, and it requires you know, you know, learning, learning how that works. But on, on, the, on the business side, I think that the, some of the challenges I've seen are, number one, People don't want to acknowledge that, that they need help. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things I've ever seen is that most people don't want to acknowledge that they need help. And I think, number two, it's for them to say, well, if you help me, how much? Okay, a couple things. They don't want to acknowledge they need help, number two. How much is this going to cost me, number three? Yep. Um, why, why should I trust you? And I say, well, you know, you don't have to trust me. <laughs> Here's the thing. You're sitting with all these accounts that are that are not collected, and your cash flow is is jacked up right now. So, here's what I say: so we can either have a conversation to hopefully we can under untangle what's wrong, yeah, and then I can show you what could be what could potentially be fixed, and I can either fix it in my team, or B, you can fix it. My goal is for you to fix it, but also for you to understand how did you get here. Yeah. That's one of the hardest things is, them, is, is for them to acknowledge, you know, I don't know how I got it. Well, I know how you got it. You didn't do after 30 days. You weren't on the phone following up on your accounts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you weren't following up on your accounts. You didn't build a relationship with the people that you need to. And, you know, and it's, it's, it, this, isn't, this isn't hard, 
but it's an important part of business. I mean, I know everybody talks about the glitz and the glamour. I get all that. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, after the glitz and glamour, you got the nuts and bolts, which is, like I said, I'm old school. My Excel spreadsheet, tab one, contracts, tab two, invoices, tab three, invoices sent, tab four, invoices and when the payments are due, tab five, salesperson. I keep talking about that because those are the four things or five things I think every business, especially if, if this a listening audience, audience is small and medium-sized businesses, you ought to have that. Now, I'm sure there are probably, I would be, be funny if they put this probably an app for that. I don't know about the app. I just know <laughs> Excel. So I'm old school. I use, the, I use that. But here's my point. Whatever system works for you, if it's Excel, if there's an app for that, you know, there's probably Google Docs and some other things that can work. I don't really care about what you use. I do care that you have an organized system of your, your contracts, your invoices, and your salesperson, so that when, you're, when your company is short on cash and you keep, you're wondering how come we're not getting paid, hmm, maybe I need to ask my salesperson, can you, can, can we, let's have a conversation. Let's yeah. put our heads together and figure out how come we're not getting paid, and maybe because the salesperson already has a relationship in with that company, they, he or she may be able to help you recover your money. And here's the other thing. I also believe that this. The salesperson does a great job on behalf of the company to, to make that presentation and get the product sold or services sold. I believe that they should not get their commission until the money, the is, money the is received. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. You know, like some of these things seem like they're, you know, obvious, but they're not so obvious when you're doing business. So I definitely appreciate you breaking it down for us and letting us know. Um, let's take a, let's take our second quick break of the show. When we come back on the other side, we're going to, I have some funny questions for you. Some, some silly questions, of course, but I also have some quiet, some questions in terms of like what type of businesses you like to work with, like who your ideal client is and stuff like that, that I, you know, want to talk about. And also some of the struggles that you may have gone through getting your business from start to, to where it is today. So everybody stay tuned again, social media for the station is at WJMS radio and we'll be right back. Don't drink no smoke Respect grandmother Don't cross the line And boy don't fight It's the truth from what I'm told It's the black gospel Boy go to school Get a job Stay on your side And just survive It's the truth From what I'm told It's a black gospel You better believe it Hands to the ceiling Respect the preacher, you better believe it. Oh. Say amen. It's the truth for what I'm told. 
It's a black gospel You better believe it Welcome back to Sound Off on WJMS Radio. This is your girl, Jams. If you're just joining me, you've missed the better part of a wonderful conversation with fellow Bostonian and founder of BCS, Ms. D. Bowden. We're talking about the financial issues that businesses get themselves into and how her company helps to untangle those messes and really help them figure out how they got there and keep them from going there again in the future. So right before the break, D.I., I promised that I was going to ask you some silly questions, which I'm going to wait till the end of the show for because they're kind of funny, but they're like interesting questions for you. Um, but I want to okay. get uh, a sense of you from you, like, what would your ideal client be in terms of BCS Solutions? Like, is there a, a client that you're like, yes, these are the perfect people that we love to work with? Yes. Well, okay. thanks for this. Um, my, my favorite people to work with are IT and software companies. Um, love them. One, just because, I mean, they're, 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 they're looking to make a difference in the world. And I love working with people who like to make a difference. Yeah. And I guess because, you know, I guess my, you know, my history of working, you know, I've, most of my success has been in the IT space. So I like IT. I love software companies, but I'm also open to working other 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 industries. So I've had experience working. Obviously, people have heard me talk about the federal government, so I've done that. But I'm going to leave that aside. It's more um, IT, software, telecom, and you know what? I think you know I'm, I'm learning now to be more open because uh, you know be, although I've had success in those arenas, I'm looking to work with companies that that number one are are, are already you know successful in terms of yeah. they've already had their sales. And they're they're up and running, but I'm also interested in helping them to to maintain that. And also, I think too, um, I'm learning at this point in my in my journey to to stay open because although I've said it's this this and this and this, I've learned that if I don't if I don't allow myself to stay open to new opportunities because we you you know this could be somebody listening today who says well I'm not in IT I'm not in software but I'm in this industry would you consider this absolutely yeah. at least I could say this. Let's have the conversation. But I, you know, like I said, I have my main ones that I love working with, but I'm willing to have the conversation because here's the thing, you know, I believe this. None of us knows what all of us knows. And if, if, the success, if my successful strategies work in IT and telecom and software and printing and something else, I'm sure they would probably cross over in, into other industries as well. I just haven't had the exposure to them, so I don't know for sure. But I'm open to having a conversation. So Excellent. That's awesome. That's good to know. So, folks, there you have it. If you're a small business or a medium-sized business that's interested in getting your financial matters untangled, you know, Dee's always open to the conversation. Um, But one more last serious question before we get into some of the funner stuff. Um, What advice – I think I may know the answer to this – but what advice do you have for business owners who are, you know, potentially seeking your help but are just like, I don't really know where to begin and, like – well, how do I do this or how do I avoid needing to have my finances untangled? Like, how do I, I do, how do I keep things straightforward? Well, that's a great question. If it's okay, I'd like to share a story about that. Sure. Okay. So DCS Solutions is my second company. Oh, okay. um, 10 years ago, I, I started a company called Bowdoin Revenue Collection Services. 
I thought I was a hot shot. I thought I knew what I was doing because I had had all this great success, you know, in my, in my day job. So I launched out there and jumped out there and took a course and created, you know, create, you know, did a business plan and got this business started. Well, <laughs> I'm here to tell you, <laughs> I did not know. I did so many things I didn't know back then. And the reason I wanted to share this story is that I want people to understand that I started something 10 years ago and failed miserably. I jumped out there thinking because I had, I knew how to collect money that I knew how to run a business. I definitely did not. And so I, you know, launched this, launched uh, Boat and Revenue Collection Services. It was BRC at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I messed up horribly. I, you know, I made a little bit of money. I didn't know anything about networking. I didn't know anything about sales. Anything I know about AR, contracts. I just knew how to collect money. So I just figured, okay, <laughs> I got this. I did not. I trust you, I did not. Oh, man. And so I tried to do, I tried to run this business and I, I messed up terribly. And so I basically got into a lot of debt and basically, basically had to go and literally go shut it down, file the articles of cancellation with the state of Maryland and close it down and do the whole nine and actually go back to go back and get my day, go back and do my day job, which is contract closeouts. And yeah. so I learned in that, in, but here's a valuable lesson. The reason I share that is because of this. Um, Although it was, that was my first business and I launched out there and I thought I knew what I was doing, I didn't. I took the risk because here's the thing. If you decide to open up a business, whether you're a solopreneur, small business, or et cetera, you have to decide to make a risk. Now, of course, you want to make, make a calculated risk and a more informed risk, but you make the risk regardless. At the time, I was young. I thought I knew what I was doing. I didn't. But I, you know, of course, I had help. I mean, I had a friend help me create a business plan and we had a logo and a website and all this other special stuff. But yeah. there were things that were missing. Like, I didn't know how to sell. I didn't know how to find leads. I know all this stuff about marketing. I just knew how to collect money. That, that, was, that was my thing. But what I missed in starting it out the first time were all the other components that, that are a part of business that are necessary. So I launched it. I failed. I shut it down. I went back to work. And I honed the one skill that, I, that God's blessed me with is collecting money. So I've learned how to collect money successfully. And I've done, you know, so for your listening audience, let's see. For the United States Coast Guard, I returned $7.5 million in 2016. Wow. I worked for another firm that had $45 million in outstanding debt and a team of collectors. I went in and for three months and worked with them and private to say that we got 75% of the $45 million. All five collectors are still successful and that company has never been in the red since. So I share that to say that, that my gift is in collecting. I know that, but I didn't know how to do business. So this time around to do things differently, I actually went to school. So I'm a graduate of the Steve Harvey's Act Like a Success School of Business Acceleration. So I went to school nice. for a year and actually learned the components of how you do business. I actually have a mentor this time. I've had a coaching. Um, I, take, I continuously take classes. I have a stack of books that I'm almost always reading something all the time. I learned how to build relationships with people who are further along in the business plan or business uh, chain or experience than I am. And I've, I've learned how to, to be a student. I strive to be better this go around by actually going, like I said, I went to school, I've been networking, I'm doing classes, I'm doing trainings. Um, and I'm also acknowledging the fact that Although I love doing collecting, I'm finding that I love speaking and I'm learning that I can tell my story and hopefully make a difference. And I have a different, a different mindset now than I did back then. Back then it was, I was young and I just kind of jumped out there. This time I started BCS Solutions with the plan of it being a, a resource, 
for it being a place where if you need help, there's help available available to you. There's a philosophy that goes along with how, how we've been successful. And then realizing that this can actually be a lot of fun. It doesn't have to be stressful. And that's part of how I've, how I've done it differently this time than the last time. Gotcha. So in all of that, what's your advice to a new business owner? Is it, you know, to hone your craft or is it to really understand how business works? Both. Both. You need to do both. Gotcha. Yes, that's what you need to do both. You, you definitely, you need to hone your craft. Absolutely. Because you might be the best at, you know, whatever your, your talent or skill is. But if you don't understand the basics of business, now you can take classes. There are local community colleges that take classes. There are classes online. Um, uh, the Small Business Administration offers classes. There are classes everywhere for you to learn basics. And then on top of that, you have to continue to get um, advice. You need to be mentored where you can be mentored either online, you can be mentored you know, in a group, you can be mentored through a book. The point is, is that you cannot just jump out here and think you know it because you're good at this one thing. Yeah. You have to understand business. Business requires sales, marketing, leads, finances, and there, it's a whole, it's a, it's a, it's a, a constantly evolving experience, but you do need to understand the basics before you can actually say, I have a business because what's the thing is you don't want to get in trouble legally by saying I have this business and you don't have a tax ID number. Yep. You don't have a DUNS number. You don't have a website. You know, people, we live in a social area now where people will Google you in a heartbeat. Oh, who, what'd you say your name was? Yep. <laughs> They'll search you up real quick. I know people who are listening now. They're probably like Devote and yep. And you did this, yep. And my, you can follow my digital footprint because everything I've said is true. It's, it's all there. But the point is, is that, yes, you need to hone your craft, but you need to understand business. And here's the thing: if you don't understand, if you don't understand the the nuts and bolts of business, don't be afraid to say you don't know. But then do the work to go figure it out, or at least yeah. ask for help. Yep. There's a library. <laughs> There's a library. You know, librarians are brilliant people. They know how to. They can tell you. Here's some information. Get a book, and then you, you know, go find a class. I mean, I, like I said earlier, I went, I went to school this time. I took a whole year and went to school yeah. to understand so I can talk intelligently about business, what it means, you know, to do this from this, this standpoint. Got you, got you. So we have about maybe five or six minutes left in the show. I have two silly questions that I want to ask you, and then I'm going to follow up and give you an opportunity to give your contact information, shout out anything you may have coming up on the horizon um, so that folks can follow you and get in touch. But my first silly question for you is because as you were talking, you were talking about how you like to untangle things and you like to sort of put things together. I figured, I'm like, you must be very good at like jigsaw puzzles or something like that. So is that really the case? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny. I'm really not. Oh. But, um, I'm really, I'm, I'm really not. But what I, what, but I do. My, my logo actually has 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 a puzzle piece on it, and it's ah, so funny. And it makes okay. up the four things of sales, AP, AR, and contracts. There we but go. But what I do like to do for fun, but to answer that question, but I do like to do for fun. I'm not big on puzzles, but I love Ferris wheels. Okay. I love Ferris wheels. I love jazz. Now you can find me. You find me with some smooth jazz. Smooth jazz. On a regular basis, I lo- love that. Okay. Um, and then um, I love hot air balloons. I love hot air. I love hot air balloons. I love hot air balloon rides. Okay. Um, that's you know this. First of all, so the hot air balloon ride was a was a was a, a milestone for me. So when I turned forty, that's how I celebrated. And I got to actually roll out my balloon, blow it up, set it up, and then take up up in the air. As a matter of fact, I did it in New Hampshire. And so, you know, you know, being from Boston, where I, where I was 5,250 feet in the air, I could see the John Hancock building. Oh, cool. And the Prudential, and the Prudential Center. That's so, dope. Yeah. So, that's, 
yeah. So that's one of those are my fun things. So yeah, the hot air balloons. Love Ferris wheels. Ferris wheels number one. I love Ferris wheels because it's it's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that you can get a panoramic view of you know wherever you are, like if you're at the park or yep. or in the city. I mean, if you're if you're like you're in Chicago, they've got one on the Navy Pier. It gives you this beautiful panoramic view of all of all of Chicago. Okay. Excellent. That's a little fun fact about D you guys just found out here on WJMS. <laughs> so my <laughs> second fun question for you, um, and then I'll give you an opportunity again to tell us what you have coming up on the horizon and to give your contact information is sort of the old wives tale that, you know, the plumber's house has bad plumbing, you know, the electrician's house had bad wiring. So you are a financial services type of person. How are the finances for your business? They have to be, are they in tip top shape or do they need work too? <laughs> Uh, they're good they're good they can always be better but they're good and 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 that's it's important it's important that they're good as well always always so just a funny question for you there but all right well d it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today thank you so much for sharing everything that you do um why don't you let the audience know if you have anything coming up on the horizon in terms of events or books or anything like that and then give them your contact information so that if they want to get in touch with you they know where to find you all right. Well, thanks for that. Um, up, upcoming two things. I am going to be part of something called Women of Impact. Um, okay. there, we're going to be doing several conferences around the, around the country. I think it's womenofimpact.com, if I'm not mistaken. That should be the, uh, should be the website. And then there should be a picture of Anika Wilson, Ilias Victoria, myself, and the two other speakers. I, I apologize. I forgot their names, but it's Women of Impact. Okay. So we'll be good. we're going to be doing speaking around entrepreneurship, um, health, wellness, and um, you know, having 2019 be a be, be a better year for you. That's that's the that's the one main thing that's coming up right now. If I think if, if anything else comes up, I'll make sure to reach out back out to you and let, let you know if you can we can we can share it with the with the audience. And also, one of the things you can do is you can follow me on um, on Facebook at uh, D Bowden, and uh, also on BCS Solution. Okay. I have one more thing. Sure. Um, I actually have a free gift for your listening audience. If that's okay. Oh sure, definitely. Okay, so. To everybody that's listening, anybody who's dealing with um, financial financial challenges in, in their business, I have something called Five Strategies to Successfully Collect Your Money. It's called Five Strategies to Successfully Collect Your Money. And the five strategies are this. Number one is you set a goal. Number two is identify the accounts that are easiest to collect. Number three is believe it can be collected. Number four, write it down. Number five, affirm it. And, and in my personal thing, is always celebrate. If you go to my website, www bcsconsultinggrp.com that's www.bcsconsultinggrp.com halfway through the page there's a link where you can put in your name and your email address and that's a free pdf it's called five strategies to successfully collecting your money and hopefully it'll help you uh, see how to collect your money differently and then be successful Awesome. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Cheers. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Dee. It's been absolutely wonderful having not only a fellow Bostonian, but somebody who is so, you know, just down to earth and a great conversationalist to be with me today. So thank you once again for, for being with me today and dedicating your time and for your flexibility and scheduling and whatnot, too. Thank you for that. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for this. My right. fellow Bostonian, this has been awesome. I'm, I'm super excited about this. And, uh, good, let's good, do it again good. soon. Definitely, definitely. So, folks, I'll be back again with a brand new episode of Sound Off. Make sure you keep it locked right here to WJMS Radio. I want to thank the folks behind the scenes that make Sound Off and WJMS possible. Thank you guys for your support and your hard work. Shout out to the sponsors of the station who took a chance and are sponsoring us and sponsoring different content. If you want to sponsor something as well, please let us know. Send us an email at WJMSRadio at gmail.com. Uh, also, check out our social media. 
media at WJMS Radio on all your favorites, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. We have a little bit of video content on YouTube if you're interested as well. You can check that out at WJMS Radio, of course. We'll see you again next week with a brand new episode. Until then, everybody stay safe and stay blessed. for listening. Tune in 24-7 at WJMSRadio.com.